0: We want to take time to read our Scripture lessons today. Our Old Testament text is from Proverbs chapter 3. You're welcome to sit back and listen as I read that. You're welcome to turn it into your Bible and follow along if you like. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's a Bible in the pew rack in front of you where the page number for this passage is listed in the bulletin. But it's Proverbs 3, 5 through 15, I think we're reading, yeah. A little bit longer than ordinary. Usually we stop at verse 10. We want to go on today. Uh, there's a chant. Pat and I sing this chant in one of our morning devotionals this week. Want to come sing it again, sweetie? No? Okay, she won't do that. <laughs> I love to sing. it. It's a nice, nice chant. Proverbs 3, 5 through 15. Listen here to God's Word. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. It will be healing for your body, and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord from your wealth, and from the first of all your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine." My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her profit is better than the profit of silver and her gain better than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire compares with her. Amen. Our gospel text is from Matthew chapter 19. How do you memorize things, where things are? This is the the text that says, with with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. I know it's in Matthew 19 and around verse 27, because in 1927, Babe Ruth hit 60 home runs. (laughs) Just saying, there's just different... I think about this, you know, different ways, which you know, your mind just sort of works around. Whichever way it is, uh, remember what the text says. So, this is the story of the rich young ruler. This is not a parable. This is an event, actually happens. As are the questions that follow from the disciples, and Jesus answered to them. So, these are not parables, but real events. Listen here to God's word. And someone came to Jesus and said, "Teacher." What good thing shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? Jesus said to him, "Why are you asking me about what is good? There is only one who is good. But if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments." Then he said to Jesus, "Which ones?" And Jesus said, "You shall not commit adultery, or you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself." The young man said to him, all these things I have kept, what am I still lacking? Jesus said to him, if you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. But when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were very astonished and said, Then who can be saved? And looking at them, Jesus said to them, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Then Peter said to Jesus, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. What then will there be for us? And Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, that you who have followed me, in the regeneration when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left, who has left, Houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or children, or farms, for my name's sake, will receive many times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. Amen. Then our primary text today is the text from Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 22. The last of the seven letters to the seven churches uh, that Jesus sends. Through the apostle John, Uh, again, these are words that Jesus spoke and gave to John to give to specific local churches in that day, back in the uh, middle part, say 68 or 69 of of the first century. This is to the church at Laodicea. Listen here to God's Word. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write the Amen. The faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God says this, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich and I have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind, and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may become rich, and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And I said to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my Father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen." we will take just a few moments to bow our heads and silently meditate upon God's Word, which we've read. Lord God, we are thankful for Your presence, which has already been strongly with us in this service of worship. Thank You, Lord, for the gift of Your Holy Spirit, which works among us. We pray, Lord God, that You would continue that good work in the preached Word, and the things that follow beyond here. We desire, just as the song said, we long for You, for Your grace, more than anything else. So come, work your good work among us. Let us hear and receive from you. We ask this through Christ Jesus, our Savior, and the Lord of all, amen. When a natural disaster strikes a city or a region, uh, what's one of the first things that that region or city does? In in America, in in the 21st century where we are, if an earthquake happens or a tornado or something rips through and tears all kind of things up, what's the, one of the first things that uh, region or city will do? I think it's apply for federal disaster aid, right? Yeah. You want to get declared to be a, uh, a disaster area so you have access to federal funding to rebuild, to clean up and rebuild, all right? Well, in Laodicea, the city which Jesus addresses in today's letter, A severe earthquake destroyed much of the city in A.D. 60, so less than a decade before this letter was written. Guess what Laodicea did? What they did was so remarkable that the Roman historian Tacitus, this guy here, I have a book here of his, called The Annals of Imperial Rome, He wrote about it about 50 years later. He said, hard to believe, here's what Laodicea did. Now, Herb, you're going to throw up on the screen here, I trust, uh, what Tacitus wrote so people can see it. I'm going to read it here from the book. He's got it up there, good. It says, in the Asian province, one of its famous cities, Laodicea, was destroyed by an earthquake in this year. That is in AD 60. He's writing about it. That's where he is in his annals. And arose from the ruins... And it rose from the ruins by the strength of its own resources and with no help from us, from Rome. So, they did not apply for federal disaster aid. And it was remarkable even back then. They said, this city, this area is so wealthy that they did not access the the, uh, federal funding, as it were, that was available to them. Ordinarily, that would have happened. Rome would have come and help them out. Now, I think that's commendable. I think they did good in doing that. They had the resources, so they should go ahead and do that and not try and drain everything away from from other folks. That's a good thing. So, we can take that that down now. But uh, self-sufficiency is a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing. Depends on where you're at. Now, Laodicea was a rich and competent city. It was a major trade city, it set on major trade routes. And so I always, when I think of that, when I hear that, I think of Hong Kong. I was in Hong Kong twice while I was in the Navy, and uh, uh, Hong Kong port is just bustling with with ships from all over the world, going back and forth, back and forth, all over the place. And they're trading everything. There's financiers there, and there's, there's all this stuff going on. They were sort of like that. They had financiers, they had bankers, they had millionaires, they had all oh, jobs galore. They were a place to be. Uh, they were particularly known for fine black wool that some sheep, particular type of sheep they raised in that area, that they produced. And so, a lot of people wore black woolen garbs. And they even had a medical center. I doubt that it compares with Jefferson downtown, but it's a pretty good center. Uh, it was known for its salves, things that you put on, and it even had a salve that one could put on one's eyes if you got to have some issues with your eyes. They had stuff for that. All of that was there, and they had financial resources, and they could do a major rebuild when the city was destroyed without help from Rome. All this is good. There's nothing bad about it unless you get cocky how's that right unless you get a little cocky about it well apparently the church in laodicea had imbibed the culture of the city and jesus reproached to them i've always found to be very scary i mean he reproaches them severely he has no word of commendation for them. And I always say, man, what about me? Right? Well, what, what, about, what about my church? What about my land? What would Jesus say if He saw us? He does see us. If He spoke, what would He speak to us? How would He evaluate us? I'm doing really great, but, but, but am I really? That's the question that we ask and we try to find out. Well, he identifies himself to them as the faithful and true witness. That is, what he says is absolutely accurate, spot on, not off in even one degree. And he says, you say of yourself, I am rich. I have become wealthy. I have need of nothing. You ever been there sometimes we are we get a little cocky we feel pretty good i've been there our church could have been there could be there we have a fine new facility we paid off our mortgage we have no indebtedness we're wealthy we have need of nothing Oh, we dare not say that, right? We dare not say that. We dare not think that. We, we dare not say it, but we dare not think it You know, little pea brains and little hearts as well. We have need of nothing. Now we'll see how, how good your memory is. Two weeks ago, I think it was, I said, God has been very gracious to us and made us human beings in such a way that we'll always remember that we're dependent beings. What… How has He made us that we'll remember we're dependent beings? You have to breathe. You cannot go, uh, last for 15 minutes if you don't take something from outside you, inside you. <sighs> <sighs> I'm a dependent being on all the air around me. Plus, we eat. Try not eating for a while. You're, you're dependent on things outside you to keep you going. Now, those are common graces that God gives to all humanity to remind us. By the way, read Psalm 145 towards the last part of the last maybe six or seven verses. You'll see that all this stuff comes from Him. He's the one who feeds all who are hungry. He does all these things. But anyway, uh, He's graciously allowed us to see that we need something outside us to keep us alive. Well, Jesus tells them that. Here's what you say about yourself, but are you teachable? You know, do you need a teachable spirit, a teachable heart? Uh, here's a, another slide that will, uh, I think, we're back here looking around, we'll, we'll see if there's anything will come up. This is the one from Proverbs 3. It does. It says, do not neglect the discipline of the Lord or loathe His reproof for whom the Lord loves, He reproves even as the Father corrects the Son in whom He delights." That's a good verse to know. Those are good verses to know. Does the Lord love you? We all say, I want to have the love of God on me. Well, if He loves you, He will reprove you. That means you need, I need, to have a teachable spirit from God, all right? Uh, So do not reject reproof from God. Don't push it off says, do not reject. You can. You say, no, I don't receive that, I don't believe that, I refuse to get that from God or whichever instrument or servant God chooses to speak to us through, because it doesn't always come direct from God, it could be someone speaking to us. And what does he say? He says, you know what? You say you're rich, wealthy, have no need of nothing, he says, you are wretched? Miserable, poor, blind, and naked. (laughs) Whoo! Jesus, tell me how I am. You're poor, miserable, wretched, blind, and naked. That's how you are. (sighs) That's what He tells them. Sweet, mild, gentle Jesus, who always affirms us. He says, here's who you are. I can only think of one condition that's worse than that. You know what's the condition that's worse than that? It's when you have a sixth attribute, which is you do not know it. You do not recognize it. That's the way you are, and you're not even aware of it. That's a worse scenario. Now, I mentioned—how much time I got? Oh, plenty of time. I mentioned that God doesn't always speak to us from heaven. We don't always just hear a voice—I've never heard a voice from the sky, by the way. But he often uses things we read, someone speaking to us. Early on in my Christian life, I had my cousin's wife, Bonnie Blake, rebuked me. I was living in their basement for a time being. I was transitioning to another place. I was living in their basement. And uh, I was saying some kind of stuff. And she rebuked me and said, John, you're just not grateful at all. It wasn't about them, but something else. And I don't recall what it was, but I remember how I reacted. I was offended. Who does she think she is speaking to me like that? Telling me that I'm ungrateful. Yeah, I was offended. And then I began lining up all the excuses and I was in denial. I became an Egyptian, right? Lived by the denial. I said, oh, no, that's that's not true at all. That that can't be true. So I do that. But then, because she spoke and the Spirit of God spoke through her, I came under conviction. You know, that's right. My heart was pierced and broken. And then I repented. Here in the text from Revelation 3 says, be zealous, therefore, and repent. The title of the sermon this morning is, Let's Get Radical. Let's get zealous. Let's repent. Do you know that's a, that's a radical act in our day, to repent? Our day is a day of continual affirmation. Not calling anyone to account, whether it be little kids or old people, and all the ones in between. It's difficult. I find it difficult with my own kids and grandkids to hold them accountable. Because we the, the spirit of our age is one of affirmation. And I assure you we all need to get radical and repent more than we think. Parents, help your kids be teachable. Whenever we have a child dedication or child baptism here, and I pray for them, I always pray that Lord give them a soft, tenderable, tender, teachable spirit. Yeah, pray that for for your kids. But then uh, teach, you know, you say give them a teachable spirit, someone has to teach them, right? That means you, you have to hold yourself accountable to, to do the, all the teaching, and holding the accountable, and that's hard, because they just keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. They wear you out. You ever experienced that? You have? Oh, I'm glad your kids were like our kids. You know, they keep pushing and pushing, they hang a toenail over the line. Say, I'm not really over, the, your toenail's are over the line, get it back. Right? You have to do that. Uh, so don't, Say, pray for a teachable spirit, and then just let them going willy-nilly. Discipline them. If you don't discipline your kids, you don't love them. Is what the Bible teaches. Literally. Read Hebrews 12. It says, if you're without discipline, then you're illegitimate children and not sons at all. For what father is there who does not discipline his, his son if he loves him? That's what it says. Discipline your kids. Hold them accountable. And like I said, it's hard. They cry and break your heart, right? Oh my goodness, I feel so bad. Make them feel so sad. But you got to do it. Because you want them to be teachable, to not just get the conviction, but Lord, to go forward, to learn from that. We want to teach them... Herb, you can throw that next slide up here, if you would, please. It's a good verse from Lamentations 3, 40 through 41. It says, let us examine and probe. Let's search and try our ways, and let us return to the Lord. We lift up our hearts and our hands toward God in heaven. That's a practice we need to do all the time. Let us search and try our ways. Let us examine and probe our ways. God will do that. And He has a way of continually working on through us. How much time? I don't have too much time now. I only have about 20 minutes left, so I better hurry up. You know, we we memorized Ephesians 1.19 through Ephesians 2.10. Oh, several years ago now, that last verse, Ephesians 2.10, it's a great verse. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. It says, we are His workmanship. As long as you're alive, God's working on you. He's searching and probing your ways, refining and honing and polishing and making you more fit to be conformed to the image of Jesus. There's no one here who's all the way there, unless you die during the service. Then you'll be there. But otherwise, we're still all works in progress. Progress. Notice that? We're going forward. He's doing more. Expect that. So don't get dejected, don't reject, don't, don't be upset. That's God at work in you, okay? Uh, so that verse in it says, let us turn to God. Uh, here's Jesus' advice to the Laodiceans that we read here in Revelation chapter three. He says, get gold refined by fire from me. So what does that mean? Get gold refined by fire from me. Well, I think it means what the rich young ruler had to learn and did not learn, did not have a teachable spirit. How much, we did this in confirmation today, how much of what you have belongs to you? Zero. What do you have that you did not receive? Paul writes to the Corinthians, what do you have that you did not receive? So, it all belongs to God. So any gold that you have, any possessions that you have, you have to see, this comes to me through him, him who sits on the fiery throne. So get gold that you know where it comes from. It's not my gold, it's not my silver, it's not my house, it's not my all these things, this comes from God, right? Buy for me gold, refined by fire. Says get white garments. Now, of course, they would have been people who were wearing that black, wonderful wool that, that you only find there in Laodicea. You said, you need white garments, and that refers to the righteousness of Christ in which we're clothed. It's, the, it's like on the Mount of Transfiguration, when they saw Jesus, and He was clothed in, in garments whiter than any launderer on earth could make them. Get from me, because my, the Lord Jesus, my righteousness will clothe you and will cover your nakedness, and will be just the exact thing that you need before the Father. You know, even our best works in this life are marred by sin. That's what total depravity means, by the way. It doesn't mean that we're totally depraved. It means that even my best work, I love my wife. I'm, you know, I walked the dog this morning in the rain. Yeah, you know, it's like... 4.30, raining, and my wife's she's sleeping. I said, I'm gonna, I love my wife. I'm going to walk the dog so she doesn't have to go out and get her little tootsies wet, you know, freeze her toes. And in my heart, there was just a little bit of pride, right? I really am a good guy. <laughs> now, you realize that's not a good thing to think. I tried to get rid of it, but I've just got too much flesh yet, right? <laughs> so, so, so even our best works in this life—they're good works, though. It, it was good that I did that. It, I'm glad to do that for my wife. It's a help to her. She doesn't need to be out here. I can be out here. It doesn't bother me. And the dog can be out here. He likes to be out there and Do that. So that's good. It's good work. It's not perfect. All right. Uh, so, gold that's refined by fire, white garments, eye salve so that you can really see. Now, let's have another projection up here. If we got one, please, Herb, what's it? Do not be wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Not my wisdom, but God's. We need to know that, because we'll come up against things we read in the Bible, we say, I, I don't think that's right. I don't think that'll work. Whatever it may be, we need to say, God, you're right. I don't understand this. I don't completely comprehend, I don't know how to apply, but I believe you're right. That's a teachable spirit, that's eye And then God will help you. Now notice how that verse ends. If you're gonna be wise, if you're gonna get uh ISAF, you will turn away from evil. Have you done that? Do you, on a day-by-day basis, deliberately, intentionally, turn away from evil. You should be doing that. You should be aware there's evil there and where the evil comes at you, whatever it may be, and you should turn away from that because we fear the Lord, we're not wise in our own eyes, we wanna turn away from evil. Okay, thank you, Herb. So we need always to hear this message of love from the Lord Jesus Christ. He stands at the door and knocks. Now I know that we always think of that as standing at the door of the sinner's heart and knocking there. But in this text here, he's knocking on the door of the church at Laodicea. He's knocking on the door of the church of Lydie's church in Satterton. He's calling the church to, hey, hey, church, come on. I'm here. Will we let him in? He does knock at our individual doors. He lets us know that we need to uh, receive him as well. If I preach long enough, the snow will be gone. I can see everyone sort of glancing out the window there and saying, "Oh my, how deep is it going to get?" Uh, it's only about two inches now, so it'll be all right. Oh, I did bad again. I lied. Well, listen, what might that look like if God knocks on the door of a church or on the people of God? What might that look like? Let's have a projection here again. There's another, there's a good verse, Second Chronicles 31, 1. Now, here's the context. Hezekiah is king, the guy before him, his father had been a bad guy, had set up idols and ashram poles and all kinds of stuff all around. And Hezekiah becomes king, he t- gets rid of all it, they have the Passover uh, celebration like they hadn't had for years, and then uh, there's teaching there. And then here's what happens: it says, Now when all this was finished, all Israel who were present went out to the cities of Judah, broke the pillars in pieces, cut down the ashram and pulled down the high places and the altars throughout all Judah and Benjamin as well as in Ephraim and Manasseh, until not one was left. Then all the sons of Israel returned to their cities, each to his possession. We must act. We must make changes. So when you turn from evil, there's also things you must do. Not just turn, there's things you must get rid of in your life. There's things you must say, no more of that. That's the right thing to do. Uh, we must get radical. Things that other people may do, but I can't anymore. Whatever it may be. We must act, we must get radical, we must make changes. This is a life long discipline of joy and hope. Uh, There's a verse that you all know very well from Lamentations 3. Herb's going to slam it right up there on a Screen now. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I have hope in Him. We know that. I trust… I have some of my kids here. I have one, two, three, four maybe kids. I don't know how many kids here. Uh, I disciplined our kids as best… I did badly sometimes. but. I don't think they ever thought I didn't love them. You know? And so, when the Lord disciplines us, let's don't get defensive and offended and mad. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease. Did you hear that? Never cease. Never cease. His compassions never fail. So, when it seems like it's a hard hand that the Lord is directing toward you. Know that that, that's not true. Ultimately, His hand is full of compassion and love. So how might that look in our lives? You can go ahead and take that down, Herb. I would say this. Where we need to be, what we need to be doing, we need to volunteer more often for things here and for things in our community and bear witness just through through volunteering, being involved with other people, not sit so much in just our own home. We need to share. We need to to share things that we have. We need to be willing to share our testimony, our our witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to do that. We need to share. We need to be willing to help people, help others, talk to them, get aid, whatever it may be. And we need to pray. We need very, very much to pray uh, because we're not to the place where we don't need anything. We need everything. So we need to pray. So I, I'm a little bit over. I'm going to close today with a chorus, and um, Herb's going to put it up on the screen. Do you know this chorus? How many of you know this? You know this chorus? Several of you. We're going to sing it through twice. I'm going to start you here. Stand stand up. You can't you can't sing sitting down. Stand up. This is a declaration. This comes from our text. Uh, That's why we read extra part of of Proverbs 3 today. Uh, So, you ready? Lord.